Hello, Dr. Ray. I'm sure I'm going to get really good advice from you. Why do I have to be the insightful professional? Thank you for empowering me. Here's what I think is going on. I think you're a hoot and a half. My idea, my theory, my guidance is a bit of a stretch. I just love your show. Does that comfort you? No. Am I close? No. You are really smart. I am sensitive and understanding and nurturing. Your show to me is like a comedy information show. Did I make you feel a lot better or what? No, you made me feel worse. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. I remember back in COVID, they said uh, we could have gatherings with up to eight people without issues. I don't know about you, but I'm a psychologist. I don't even know eight people without issues. Nice to have you here. Nice to be here. Dr. Ray Garendi, the program is The Doctor is In. Monday through Friday, co-production of the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and Ave Maria Radio Communications. Manning... I just, I just, I'm such an archaic Neanderthal throwback. Personing the board and the phones over there in Ave are Andrew Kruchek, my producer man, and Eric Dumont, who calls screams. Very nice to have them there running the operation. They pretty much control what I say and do, how long I get to say it, when I get to do it, and they can cut me off at any time. I feel like the... Broadcast Sword of Damocles. I was going to say Calamities. Well, that's true. Calamities is uh, handing over my... I never thought about that. The Sword of Calamities. Hmm. I'll have to think about that. Might make a good book title. Number to get onto the program is 877-573-7825. 877-57-equal. If you have a question about, uh, oh, anything in your life that is perplexing you, flummoxing you, challenging you, making you feel bad, making you feel good, making you wonder about people, places, things, rock, paper, scissors, or if you have a generic question, something that you've wondered about in psychology and development, in intellect and emotions and diagnoses. My favorites are the big broad ones, big philosophical slash theological slash psychological questions, Things like, if I'm more faithful, will I be less depressed? Hmm? What about that one? So, 877-57-EQUAL. I love this stuff. There's no question I am fascinated. I am, I am also simultaneously frustrated by people who say, Oh, religion and belief in God and Jesus is just a matter of faith. That's all it is. I heard a very high profile. Catholic media persons say that. You can't reason your way to God. Reason isn't part of it. It's part. It's just faith. That's not true. If faith is true, then it has to be reasonable. And more and more scientists are saying, we can't explain what's going on out there. As we get deeper and deeper into the universe, and deeper and deeper the other way, into subatomic particles, and all the mathematical rules that run our operation, there is massive evidence. And that's not proof. Science can't prove God. If it could, it'd be greater than God. Plus, if you say, well, science got to prove it to me, then you're making science your God. However, there's a book out 
by Jose Carlos Gonzalez Hurtado. New Scientific Evidence for the Existence of God. Love it. This is a great book. Challenges atheists, agnostic, agnostics to defend their ideas. And it'll fortify your own belief. Got a lot of empirical evidence in there for theism. You can easily understand it, you know. And it explains how atheism twists reality with its selective skepticism. That book's available now. Shop EWTNRC.com. I want to thank the very nice folks in Tennessee. Murfreesboro. I did not realize that Murfreesboro is a town of 200,000. It's the second biggest town in Tennessee besides Nat, behind Nashville. I didn't know that. When I heard Murfreesboro, I thought, oh, that's a nice little nice little town in Tennessee. Uh-uh. That thing's, that thing's as big as Akron, Ohio. It's bigger than Canton, where I live. And it's growing by leaps and bounds. I like to think part of it is because I went there. But be that as it may, I want to thank the folks there at St. Rose of Lima, Sister Mary Catherine. And then the next night with Mary Martin, the principal, at um, Holy Rosary Academy. Very, very nice. I did something that I thought I would never do before. Again, I used to do it before. Usually, if a talk is under 500 miles away, I'll drive it. Leave in the morning or early morning, early afternoon. Get there by the evening, do the talk. I got something coming up in Traverse City, Michigan, which is pretty far. It's about 500 miles from me, 450, somewhere in thereabouts. And... I leave, and, and the talk is done at 9 or 10 o'clock at night. And Tennessee, where I was, was central time. So I was going to lose an hour coming back home. And my attitude was, well, you know, I just uh, maybe I'll go back to the hotel, get up at 3 a.m., try to get back here in time to do this program. So I got in the car, and I started driving. And I kept driving. I kept driving. I left at a quarter to 10 Eastern time last night from Donaldson, Tennessee, which is right by Nashville, 550 miles, straight home. Got home 5 a.m. So if I make no sense, it's not because I normally make no sense. There's a particular reason why I'm making no sense. This is kind of some neat stuff. And I've always wondered about this as, you know, as, as a kid. Ash Wednesday. Today is Ash Wednesday. And I, I like seeing... As I have seen some of the newscasters on certain cable news stations with ashes on their forehead. The day Lent begins, okay? It is 40 days before Good Friday. And if you're under 59 and a half, you got to abstain from meat. Well, actually, no, I'm, I'm not clear on that one. It's a day of fasted abstinence, and I know that 59 and a half, I think, is the relaxation of the fast. Why the ashes marked with the cross? Our former pastor used to make this huge thing with ashes. If you start up at the top of your hairline, he'd go down to the bridge of your nose. And then he'd start kind of one eye and go across to the middle of the other eye. And his mantra was, Jesus didn't die on a smudge. So... Foreheads marked with a cross in the Bible, a mark on the forehead is a symbol of a person's ownership. That's why the early Christians used to make the sign of the cross on their foreheads. We belong to Christ. Where do the ashes come from? This is fascinating. Many, many of you may not know this. They're made by burning 
the palms, which have been saved from previous year's Palm Sunday. They're blessed, and they've been used in God's rituals since the time of Moses. Look, check it out in numbers, okay? Now, here's a good one. Can a non-Catholic receive ashes? Yes, absolutely. Ashes are not a sacrament. They don't signify a communion of faith beyond a need for repentance and a remembrance of our malady. So therefore, if you're a fellow Christian, or maybe even not, and you're wanting to receive ashes, go for it. Bring somebody with you. All right. Mm-hmm. Ash Wednesday, a whole day of obligation? It is not. However, it's strongly advised, since it's fitting. 18, okay, here's what my boss at EWTN, Jack Williams, just told me. 18 to 59 is obligatory for fasting. Anybody over 14 for abstinence. Do you know what this means? This means that Teresa Tomio has not had to fast for the last 28 years. Yeah, that's no wonder. No wonder she doesn't fast. Anybody over 14 is abstinence. Jack, uh, is that maturity level? Because if that's maturity level, I don't know. I think I could make a case. But I might not have to abstain. Just a thought. Just a thought. Oh, I wanted to talk about this. I got sidetracked. When I was a kid, Sister Liguori, second grade, wonderful nun. I thought she was old. She was 24, I think. She used to tell us, what do you want to give up? What do you want to give up for Lent? And we'd all do the obligatory chocolate. Give up chocolate. You know, I've... I've come a long way since then. I, I now give up uh, kale and asparagus. And people say, what do, you, what, do you, what, do you, what do you give up kale and asparagus for? I say, well, you know, actually, I give it up the whole year round. So I think that's 40 days Lent, 365 days a year. That's, about t- that's close to 10 times the sacrifice. Kale and asparagus. And sometimes I give up green olives, too. But that's a special, you know, maybe every 10 years or something. Why do you give up stuff anyway? Self-denial. little discipline. Can you do it? Can you show the Lord I can do this? To develop maybe a little training. You can't always get what you want, you know? It's kind of the way it is in this world. So you give it up. But I've always been curious when people say, well, I'm not giving up anything. I'm going to add something. What are you going to add? More chocolate? Well, no, I'm going I'm to be a nicer person. Well, that's good. That's a nice goal. But that should be your goal all year round. Well, I'm going to jumpstart being nicer. I think you got to do both. I think you got to find something that you can sacrifice, and then maybe something you can add. Daily rosary if you're not doing it. My daughter called me. Not me. She called her mother. She said, Mom, how do I get the app? I want to get to do the rosary. I want to do the rosary during, during Lent. She's training some she's kind of some kind of physical training. She she's on this highly restrictive diet, so therefore she can't really give up a whole lot. But she wants to pray the rosary. Okay, cool. Mother's prayers are working on that one. What do you want you want to add? How about uh, giving up complaining? Wouldn't that be a good one? Giving up complaining. Don't complain about anything. You don't realize how much complaining permeates the way we talk. What about giving up Criticizing. Behind the back criticizing. You know, you know, she I can't believe she dresses like that. It doesn't match. Now see I don't have to give that up because I don't know what matches and what doesn't. I can look at somebody and go, That looks pretty cool to me and my wife can say, Ray, you don't wear polka dots with stripes. Well, where? Who says? 
Some guy in Europe? Who says? And besides, that fat tie covers the stains on my shirt. No, Ray, they don't wear the fat ties anymore. You have those skinny ones. I was driving to Tennessee Monday, and I spilled coffee on me about one hour out of my driveway. It was the only shirt I brought. You can't worry about looking too cool. So I guess the best combo is to give up something, a little self-discipline, and add something. Maybe you could add listening to this show. No, that would be that'd be self-discipline, wouldn't it? Eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five eight seven seven fifty seven equal. Sure want to hear from you. Thanks for joining me. Do you own popular index mutual funds or ETFs? If so, you're automatically owned shares of companies that conflict with your moral beliefs. Ave Maria Mutual Funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors can invest in the no-load Ave Maria Mutual Funds. The experienced professional portfolio managers make decisions based on investment fundamentals and pro-life values. You can learn more about Ave Maria Mutual Funds today at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. It's as though the secular press has to shoehorn matters concerning fidelity or infidelity to church teaching into political labels of conservative versus liberal. And those political dichotomies are not entirely meaningless, but they most usually distort the discussion. This discussion is about receiving Christ worthily. And that is not a political discussion. And by the way, this discussion is not even new. If you go back to 1998, they also addressed the question of from living the gospel of life. Again in 2006, in Happier Those Who Are Called to His Supper. For Pope Francis, he drafted, when he was Archbishop of Buenos Aires, the Aparecida document. The U.S. bishops are now forced to address this problem because we have now a Catholic president who is receiving Holy Communion, while at the same time he is a champion of expanded abortion rights. Cresta in the Afternoon. Weekdays from 4 to 6 on Ave Maria Radio and AveMariaRadio.net. Teaching your kids to swim has never been easier, thanks to Big Blue Swim School in Ann Arbor. In their mobile app, you can schedule a weekly 30-minute lesson for each of your children all at the same time. You can also cancel and reschedule a lesson with the most flexible makeup class policy of any local swim school, including 15 free makeup lessons. Learn more at BigBlueSwimSchool.com. Register by March 17th to get 60% off your first four lessons when you mention Ave Maria Radio. You know, as I get older, I was uh, I was toying with getting into one of those um, plastic surgery anonymous groups. Um, I told you, I went to the first meeting. And I felt a little bit, little bit unsure of myself because the lady was there and she said, I'm seeing a lot of new faces tonight and uh, frankly, I'm disappointed. You got to think on that one. You got, that is an IQ joke. You got to think on that one. Michael from New Jersey, an interesting question here. Hi, Michael. Hello, good day. Thank you for taking hey, my call. I am going to try to answer your question without being a dope. <laughs> okay, happy Lent, everybody. <laughs> All right, so my question is, um, is using marijuana products in moderation a sin in states where it is legal? 
The question becomes, one, what is moderation? Let, let's say that there is controversial evidence that for some kind of physical maladies, maybe pain reduction or nausea reduction, that a doctor can prescribe a non-THC, which is the main active ingredient in marijuana, uh, something for that. I think if, if there's evidence, and I'm not a theologian on this, and I sure would like to get Colin Donovan's opinion on this. Jack, tell Colin to call, would you? If there's evidence that it is medically appropriate, supervised, I, I would suspect the church wouldn't look at it as, okay, you're misusing your body. On the other hand, the vast majority of marijuana use is a misuse of the body. It is. You are, you are doing something that's not healthy, for your lungs, for sure, and you are also altering the way you think. You're altering your God-given ability to navigate life. Yeah, I feel mellower. I just feel better. I feel more relaxed. Well, yeah, of course, you probably do. But is that how God wants you to operate? So even if it's legal, because keep in mind, abortion is legal many, many, many places, Adultery is legal. Divorce is legal. All kinds of stuff is legal. But the church would seriously see it as a sin. So I think the overall answer to your question is yes. Smoking dope would be a sin. That that makes a lot of sense. So I'm fairly sure God wants me to be sober. Like he's pretty much told me that. Um, the only reason, the only thing that I keep every once in a while, I get so depressed. I'm like, let me just go eat an edible. So that's what I meant by moderation. Like not not all day, every day. If you're doing that, Michael, rather than eating an edible, however you want to do it, whether it's through a good friend, whether it's through somebody you trust, whether it's even through a counselor, you got to figure out what is going on with me that I'm getting depressed. How am I running my life? How am I thinking? What kind of decisions am I making? Uh, in, in most cases, depression is a response to life, events, the way we think. In most cases. Yeah, there are biochemically based depressions, but they're, they're, they're much less common than the standard depression that now infects our culture. So you really should ask yourself, what am I doing here? How am I thinking that's making me like this? You're right. And you said something interesting. You said, <laughs> I think God doesn't want me to uh, to chew an edible. <laughs> I think you're real safe in saying that. But he doesn't he have pretty to. pretty much told me that. Well, you know what? He doesn't have to particularly tell you that, Michael. That's kind of pretty much one of the church's teachings. You don't gotcha. want to do something that's going to kind of twist your body out of shape or all, all around. I'll share with you something. I used to play the organ in restaurants for about 10 years. And I looked at a lot of very good organists who over the years always had a drink on the organ and as they got older their their skills started to slip because by the first hour of their playing they had already imbibed about three or four and i thought there's no way i want to do that to me now that was that's purely practical decision but also drunkenness is a sin well one right. night one night I was in there, and somebody said, you know what a screwdriver is? 
I said, isn't that one of those things you use to like twist and, and turn screws with a Phillips head and a flat head? No, no, no. A screwdriver is vodka and orange juice. Oh. Taste this. And I said, but it tastes like orange juice. Couldn't taste the vodka. Yeah, just taste like orange juice. I said, oh, okay. Well, I like orange juice and I was thirsty. So I had four or five of those that night. I went home. And, and and I didn't know I was buzzed. I was. Went home, and there was a there was a young lady that was a waitress there, and we were friends, and we we're sitting in my mom and dad's driveway, three o'clock in the morning. And this truck pulls up. Two guys get out, go into my parents' garage at three in the morning. And I said, huh, "Look at that." This guy's just out for a stroll. You'd think they'd walk down the street, you know. They wouldn't have to walk into garages. Now, that was my interpretation of that situation. Next day, the sheriff came around, said there was a whole bunch of garages hit last night. And my dad said, you see anything, Ray? He said, yeah, I did, Dad. I, I saw the truck. I saw the guys. Did you get the license plate? No, no I, I, I didn't think of that. Ray, that would, somebody walks into the garage at 3 o'clock in the morning, and you you didn't think to do anything? Uh, yeah, Dad, I, I, don't, I don't know what I was thinking. I know what I was thinking. My head wasn't clear, but I didn't tell him that. So, yeah, that was, that was my first and last experience with being buzzed 45 years ago, maybe more. So, Michael, thank you for a great question, my friend. God wants you to use your body as he gave it to you. And the church says, if there's anything that can put the body back in right place, like certain medications, of course, but when your body is healthy and functioning, you don't want to take something that's going to twist it out of the God-given state that he wants you in. Thanks, Michael. Good stuff. Uh, 877, a lot of good calls up there. Oh, we got somebody from Canton, Ohio. Do I get enough time here? Uh, yeah, I got time. Mary from uh, Canton, Ohio. Hi, Mary. Hello there, Mary. Hi. How are Hi. You? Thank you for the call. You're calling from Canton, Ohio, my hometown here. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to be here. <laughs> Thanks, Mary. Thanks for the call. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for taking it. And um, so um, I'm uh, in a situation um, where I'm living out of living together, cohabitating out of wedlock. And um, you know, it's been in in the meantime since I decided to come back to church and realize um, all the reasons it doesn't work and why you know. Once we're uh, in a difficult place to separate and uh, physically, I mean, and we want. I think that inevitably we. we both do want to get married um we're not engaged but you know we're struggling with those things that now i completely understand um are the reasons why it doesn't make sense to do that before you've got the commitment and the grace with the marriage and the sacrament so we are um you know living as brother and sister we are um um you know but we're struggling and we want to get to the place where we're married but we're having a hard time and i'm wondering now i do understand that there's a consideration to just move out and you know that's something that i'm praying about and trying to consider and see if i can make it work um 
But in the meantime, or if I can't do that, you know, is there a bridge? Is there, do you have any advice to help get us to the place where we're focused on the commitment and God? And, um, you know, we're going to church, um, but, you know, we're, the, the, pro, the, the challenges seem bigger sometimes. Sure. Um, than the, than, than, than the kit we, we don't have, you know? Yeah, hang hang in there, Mary. I gotta I gotta take a break. That music says basically Ray shut up. So you stay right there and um, don't leave me. Thanks for joining us, Doctor Ray. to join you on this Ash Wednesday. You know, I wrestle with Lent because I give up stuff and then I become cranky. So is it holy to give up stuff, but then it's counterbalanced becoming cranky? I don't know. I'll have to ponder that. It's like saying grace at the Golden Corral. You know, do you say blessing before gluttony? I have to wrestle with that one too. Okay, I'm talking to Mary from Canton, Ohio. Mary has since somewhat recently, returned to the church. How wonderful that is. And she'd been living with her boyfriend. And both she and he have said, hmm, well, I can see the reason why the church has always taught that that kind of cohabitation, especially from a romance perspective, is not a wise thing or a good thing. and definitely has... All kinds of sinful pitfalls. Mary, you still there, dear? Yes, I am. Okay. Well, first of all, you got the greatest gift of all. You came back to your faith. I mean, if if this Jesus thing is true, you have a gift beyond any kind of comprehension. And there are many, many in the world who don't have that gift. So you have, you've just been given an unbelievable gift. Now, all that said... Yeah. All that said, safe to say you are convinced that living together is wrong. Right. Okay. That's fair enough. Uh, and you believe the church. It, it, it's interesting. Even, even if you said, no, I don't think it's wrong, well, then you'd be going against what the church has always taught through Christ. So... Whether you think it's right or wrong, uh, the church would teach through being able to speak for Christ that it's wrong. Now, that said, mm-hmm. in between what you were saying, I heard this. I'd like to move out, but I don't know if I can afford it. Is that it? Um, yeah, certainly. Um, that probably, I guess, is what it would come down to more than anything. Um, okay. A couple of options here. I think for your conscience and for doing the good, right thing, you'd best move out. Even okay. if you say, well, we're living chaste. There's a couple of problems with that. One, if people know you're a Catholic and that you've come back to the faith, but you're still living with your boyfriend, you're kind of sending a message. And the message is, yeah, well, 
yeah, I can be Catholic, but I can kind of do what I want morally if it's inconvenient. That's the first message. Mm-hmm. Used to be called, used to call that scandal, and it is. But it's hard to have scandal anymore when people don't have any morals. But it is easy enough mm-hmm. to say what's with her because she says she's Catholic, but she's living with this guy. Doesn't she see any problem with that? Okay, that's the first thing. Mm-hmm. But the second thing is practical, and you kind of said it. Uh, when you're living that close together all the time. Boys will be boys and girls will be girls. You know what I'm saying to you. Yeah, I, I think that feels like a less of less of a problem, um, you know, than I think. Although, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's less of it may be less of a problem because you've come back to the faith, but it's still there. Right. So I would suggest that as quick as you can, you find a way. That you can either make it somewhat on your own until you guys decide to get married. Maybe your boyfriend will help you. Maybe he'll say, Mary, I can give you $300 a month towards expenses. I can help you out. I love you. You're my girlfriend. You mean the world to me. Hope to marry you. I'm going to do everything I can to give you my share. You could do that. But I think you will feel better about all this. And more in line with what the church teaches, if you say, okay, it's it's time to move out. I, I realize now that before I didn't understand it, I didn't care. Now I know. That'd be my strong recommendation. Mm-hmm. And you'll and you will not. It's going to be one of those things, Mary, where you where you don't have to grit your teeth and go, okay, okay, I'll just make it work somehow. I think you'll be shocked at how relieved you feel and your relationship with your boyfriend will be better. Mm-hmm. There you okay. go, my dear. All right. Bless you. Give you strength. God, give you strength to do that, to do that okay? Okay. All right. Thank you. Oh, can Bye. I ask you one more quick question? Sure. This is a two-for-one okay, day, um, you know. Yeah. First question costs. Oh, second question is free. Thank you. Um, do you, how do you like the book How We Love for helping to figure out how to relate with people and um, maybe even, you know, I, I don't know. In relationships. I don't know that book, Mary. Um, but I do have a whole bunch of books for relationships. I have one yes, called you do. Okay. Thinking Like Jesus. I have one called mm-hmm. When Faith Causes Family Friction. I have one called Jesus the Master Psychologist. I have one called Living Calm. Those are all kind of... I have one called Mm. Simple Steps to a Stronger Marriage. Those are all kind of relationship-aimed books. Okay, good. All right. So where can I go to explore those and get one? Easiest way is go to my website, drray.com. They're all signed and at a reasonable price. Okay, wonderful. Thank you again. Thank you for everything. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Mary. Bye, honey. Take care. God bless. It's not. It's nice to hear somebody that says, "You know what? I'm realizing the way that I lived was the way the culture lives, and it's not good." If God is infinitely smart, and if He's God, He's got to be. If you know anything about the universe, He's got to be to con- construct something like this. He's got to be. He knows the best way to live. And so when he says, don't live together prior to marriage, it's not because he's a moral killjoy. 
It's not because he says, ah, yeah, I just want to, I want to see if anybody's having fun anywhere and I'm going to stop it. It's because he knows the upsides and the downsides to the way he tells us. Well, there's no downside to the way he tells us to live, but he knows the upsides and the downsides of living a certain way. And he knows the best way for us to live. And uh, in fact, the divorce rate for people who live together prior to marriage is higher, much higher than those who don't. Oh, but the but the society says, no, you have to get to know somebody and you got to live with them and find out what they're like before you marry them. And then you really, really know because that's the best way to do it. If that were true, then people who live together would have less likelihood of getting a divorce. They got more. What does that say? That's another thing I didn't tell Mary, too. I mean, if she wants that marriage to work, uh, probably raise the chances if she does what she knows is the good and right thing. 877-573-7825. Time is going too fast around here. Good Lord permit, and I'm heading to Kansas City. Big Men's Conference on Saturday. Scott Hahn, myself. I think I'm going to have Scott be my lead in act. Get the Frisbees and the beach balls gone. Then going up to Rice Lake, Wisconsin for a uh, mission. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. You want details on that, just go to my website. Usually keep the uh, speaking engagements that are open to the public on the website. Kansas City Men's Conference. Big bruiser. About a thousand guys. son Andrew was asking a whole bunch of questions about why does God do this, why does God do that. He was about six years old. My wife has given him what uh, I believe were good God answers. And he, after his 17th or 18th question, he's an engineer now, he said, that God, he's a pretty smart guy, isn't he? Let's go to Casey from uh, Richmond, Texas. There's a lot of Richmond cities in the U.S. Hi, Casey. Hi, Dr. Ray. Happy St. Valentine's Day. And to you, dear. Do you know the kind of the uh, the history behind St. Valentine's Day? No, I don't think so. He was a bishop. And okay, there, yeah, no, there was a Roman emperor that, uh, I guess, as I understand it, he kind of had this... Uh, relationship of his goes sideways it didn't didn't work out and he was he was um, essentially saying nobody else can get married either that's it ruling dictate no marriage okay. and this bishop i remember the story yes yeah he went and secretly married people and I think married he, people i think he was martyred i think saint valentine was martyr i know jack williams oh, will correct so me on that if, if i'm wrong that is beautiful it's beautiful. Yeah. So um, before I get to my question, can I um, give you some advice for Lent? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Maybe you. Hey, should hey! Do I always get about Teresa Tamio. <laughs> I always. I knew it when when somebody says, "I'm going to give you some advice." They're not going to give you advice. They're going to give you a critique. <laughs> <laughs> no more gossip about your sister. Your your much younger sister. 
Well, you know the irony. Okay, first of all, (laughs) this is like teasing somebody that's overweight. You know, my wife is 125 pounds, and and I'll tease her. I'll say, I don't know, honey, if you can get through that turnstile, turn sideways. Because it's so ridiculous, you can tease. If she were overweight... I would still get mad. Would you, really? Oh, man. Yeah, I think so. Well, for example, okay, she lifts weights with us, and... When we do this one exercise called pullovers on the machine, you have to reach back and you pull the weight over. You sit on okay. the little seat, and because she has to sit a little higher, because she's only 5'3", she has to sit a little higher, she goes and gets a pad. And she puts the okay. pad up parallel to the, to the seat. And I said, honey, you, you want to you turn that pad sideways? Stuff like that, you know? <laughs> and <laughs> after oh, I took the weight out of my face, uh, I was okay. <laughs> Good for her. But you know the I'm interesting thing, Casey. First of all, Teresa loves it when I tease her because she's eight years younger than I am. <laughs> so it's like, she goes, people don't realize. Funny. I think it's cute. <laughs> oh, I had a couple of ladies said, "I'm they're never going to listen to me again." I know. Said, I heard you say that. You don't stop. You're, you're you don't making them mad. Yeah, if you don't stop doing that, that's ridiculous. It's disrespectful. I, I know. That, so I have a problem with um, my nine-year-old daughter. Is this your is, is this your number months. one problem? Oh gosh, Sorry. no, but it, it's it's frustrating. <laughs> I've got many problems. <laughs> no, no, okay, Casey. Let me just say it one more time, and let's let it sink okay. in. Is this your number one problem? Oh, I got it. Oh number man, I can't two. slow the whole <laughs> show down for you. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'm a little right. slow. Okay. But um, she's she's still wetting the bed. Nine years mm-hmm. old, third grade. I had, I had one we wet the bed till she was twelve. Really? Yeah. Okay. It's just now, frustrating. Well, it's, se- it's for me, things. and she's embarrassed about it too. Sure, I can understand that. Did you 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 obviously got a good physical and everything, right? Checked it out. Uh huh. Yes. Okay. And can I tell you what the doctor recommended? She didn't recommend any like going to a psychologist or anything. She recommended waking her up every two hours to go to the bathroom, like to retrain her brain. That's exhausting. It is exhausting, right? She, uh, we have four kids, and my youngest is 20 months, and finally we're at a point where everybody's sleeping pretty much through the night. And um, <laughs> I have to get up early and get the kids ready for school and whatnot, and it, it would be like having a newborn again. One of the most she's common reasons. A, oh, go ahead, Casey. Sucker. Go ahead. Go ahead, she's also a thumb sucker, too, and only at nighttime or if she's tired. So we've been trying to stop thumb sucking and... I don't know. I've read some research where, like, like low oxygen to the brain, sucking the thumb, and so she's in braces right now to widen her arch to open up her airway. Get, get her more, more get more of her thumb in there. Oxygen. Yeah, I know, right? That's what the orthodontist said. Well, you got to get the thumb out. <laughs> That's the okay. obstruction. <laughs> One of the main reasons for this is developmental. Some kids just basically either sleep through it because they're such sound sleepers or they, for whatever the reason, are going to ultimately grow out of it, but it can take a long time. My daughter was 12. She was 12 before she finally grew out of it. And there was an, there was an immaturity. Wedding the bed every single night? Uh, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Yes. Now, there are several things to deal with this. Uh, obviously, there are medications that can knock out certain 
stages of sleep or or dampen them. Uh, I don't want to do the medication route. Bell and Pad. You ever heard of the Bell and Pad? It's very no, effective. Oh, but it is. Oh wait, keep, is that the alarm? Yeah, that'll keep you from yes, having to do it. Yes, we tried the alarm, and it she will not wake up sometimes. So she's really a sound sleeper. She's a major. Uh-huh. Sound we sleeper. tried the alarm for a while, and it it just didn't work. Okay, well, a couple of things. First of all, and you know this, you sound like a sweetheart. You're not going to shame your daughter. You're not going to. You're not going to in any way make her feel like somehow she's just not growing up. Somehow she's still a little baby. Uh-huh. You're not going to. You're not going to. She has two brothers that that let uh, her know I, that it's. I would definitely girl. hammer them if they did that. Okay. They would hit. They'd get hit with all kinds of consequences for making their okay. sister feel bad for this. No question. Okay. So, a couple of things. Let's 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 do logistics here. Let's assume that it is. She's just a heavy, heavy sleeper, and developmentally, uh, it's going to be something that eventually she's going to outgrow. Most do. Now I know I'm going to get somebody email me and say I'm 36 years old. I still wet the bed. Well, okay, but but that's an, that's an exception. That's an exception. Now, given that, let's make sure. Let's let's make your life easy. Let's put. Uh, a plastic thing down so you don't have to keep changing the mattress. You just basically yeah. have to change the sheets. Secondly, uh, I got that. what we did with our daughter is we said, Honey, you just sleep you just sleep sound. There's nothing wrong here. You just you sleep through it. You're out of it. You can wear a pull up. Okay. You can wear a pull up. That's okay. That's not babyish. Okay. Yeah, I just so tell it's her, okay to do that. Yeah, I can't, don't even worry about it. Tell her honey, this has nothing to do with it. Can I tell you it. something? No, you can't. Okay, sorry, I'm taking up too much time. No, go ahead, Casey. <laughs> my dad died about a year ago from, well, like, dementia, Alzheimer's, and so my mom has all these, like, pat, like diapers that he, you know, she had for him at the end of his life, and so she had given us some, and my, like, my husband's like, no, like, you're just, like, encouraging her to do it. Like, don't give her the diaper, but she will sneak a diaper. She'll be like, can I just please throw one of Pop's diapers to bed? And I'm like, yes. Well, that's interesting it. she'd say so that it's because okay. my first thought was, well, gee, would she feel kind of funny wearing wearing the same thing that her grandpa wore? But apparently, if it doesn't bug her, doesn't bug her, no, you know, no, I don't think it has anything <laughs> to do, Casey, at all with the idea that if, in fact, we do something to help her not worry about wetting her bed, that okay. uh, it's going to okay. make her, therefore, somehow be irresponsible. I don't think it has anything to do with this. This is this is a and neurological developmental thing. Yeah, out of all four kids, yeah. she's I can trust her with like the garage code and going to get the mail. Like she is very responsible for nine year old. I would say, okay. honey, honey, listen, this is just something you're going to eventually outgrow. It's not a problem. You're just a heavy sleeper, and you sleep right through these sleep stages. And let's just get it so that you can just get up in the morning. You don't have to worry about your sheets being wet. You get up, you throw that pamper or whatever it is that she's wearing, you throw it away, and move uh-huh. on with life, sweetheart. Okay. All right. That's going to make my life easier, too. I'm so so glad that I talked to you. Thank you. You did sound a little sleepy to me, Casey. I didn't want to say anything. You know, you sounded a little... I sounded a little what? Sleepy. A little sleep-deprived. I didn't want to say nothing. Oh, I always am sleep-deprived. I've got my second (laughs) pot of coffee going right now. (laughs) All right, Case. Let me know know how it goes. Let me see how you're... Call me and let me know how your daughter reacts to all that, okay? 
Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Happy um, happy St. Valentine's Day. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Oh, oh, there's some good ones up there. Uh, This is Dr. Ray, and I'm going to run out of time. Be back. Join myself, Elizabeth Jingle, host of The Heart of the Interior Life on Ave Maria Radio for an upcoming luncheon retreat in beautiful northern Michigan entitled Life for the Interior Life, St. Ignatius of Loyola's Spiritual Teaching on Discernment. This unique luncheon retreat will be held February 16th to the 18th at the Augustine Center in Conway, Michigan. Through this introduction to St. Ignatius of Loyola's 14 Rules for the Discernment of Spirits, participants will gain spiritual tools that will help them to identify the voice of God speaking, increase spiritual awareness, receive and respond to God's love with greater attentiveness, distinguish between spiritual consolation versus spiritual desolation, and gain insight into how to reject spiritual desolation. This beautiful Lenten retreat experience will include Holy Mass, opportunities for the Sacrament of Reconciliation, Eucharistic Holy Hours, retreat presentations, lodging meals, and all retreat materials. To register or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. What is God's most amazing quality? Surely it must be His enormous mercy towards sinners. This mercy is revealed in the Gospel through Jesus Christ. Jesus' very name means salvation from sin. The Eucharist is the sacrament of redemption, we learn from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. In order to receive this mercy, however, we must know and acknowledge that we indeed have sinned and are in need of forgiveness. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, St. John's Gospel reminds us. But if we confess our sins, God will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. John Paul II asserted that conversion requires convincing of sin. As a physician must probe a wound before treating it, God, through his word and his spirit, casts a living light on sin. But along with the sting of conscience comes the salve of the certainty of redemption. So the spirit of truth is also the consoler. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. I better get to it quick. All right, Betty, real quick. You even remotely disagree with me. You, you, you hop the turnstiles. You jump the line. Hi, Betty. Hi. Tell me, tell me why I was wrong about the marijuana. Well, I didn't say you were wrong. I just wondered on your thoughts, everything that's in the earth is God's given us to use for life, and marijuana comes from a seed, and there's nothing unnatural about it. The alcohol is a disease to where I used to smoke, but I have fibromyalgia real bad and severe arthritis throughout my body, and I don't smoke anymore because I have to go to the doctor for medication for that, and, of course, you know, they test you and stuff, but it wouldn't be an opioid crisis which things like that will kill you. Marijuana won't. So I just wondered your thoughts on that. Uh, Betty, uh, arsenic is from the earth, too. Right. So is that God's gift? It can be. It can be misused. Correct. Uh, I would would say this. When you you say that marijuana don't kill you, uh, yeah, there's more and more research coming out right now. First of all, it's bad for your lungs. And secondly, now there seems to be this rise of inexplicable psychoses that are triggered by marijuana. I've seen, a, I've seen some psychiatrists and I've seen some research talking about what is happening with this kind of connection. This isn't the marijuana that, quote-unquote, your daddy used to smoke back in the 60s. This stuff is potent. And the other thing, too, here, Betty, 
is that you don't know what you're getting. There's no list of ingredients on that marijuana package. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's dangerous. It's risky at, at a lot of levels. Alcoholism is a, an abuse of something that would otherwise be fine. Uh, marijuana probably gets into abusive territory a lot quicker. Thank you. Good, uh, good point. Good point, Betty. Maria, an interesting um, counseling approach. Hi, Maria. Oh, hello there. Thank you for your patience. All right. So I've got, I didn't expect you to answer. I'm so sorry. So um, two questions. One is there's a niece that's 32 years old. Um, she was raised in an alcoholic home but was otherwise stable. They went to mass. Um, there were some embarrassing, painful experiences from that. But she is struggling with um, a lot of anger towards her mother and her father. And they're supportive of her seeking counseling, but she's she's coming back to her parents and to me saying she will uh, weep for a half an hour at a time at the counseling sessions. And we were just wondering, and she seems, she's been doing this kind of, she's been seeking counseling for quite a long time, and we're just, we want her to get real help and not get stuck in, I don't know, we just don't know if that's appropriate. Well, you don't know if that's counselor caused. I mean, I've had people cry all the way through my sessions, too, and I'm trying to get okay. them to, to come to face-to-face -face with what it is that's making them so emotional about this. It's not something where I'm saying, okay, have yourself a good cry for 42 minutes, and I think you'll be better. <laughs> I don't know too sure. many therapists who do that. So it's okay. more likely that she is in and out of crying as she describes whatever it is that distresses her. Sure. Is there any um, value to, and she struggles with anger, and I had a long struggle with that myself, and um, the, with the newer ideas that with, when you um, continue to focus on anger, rather than getting better, it can stir things up, and you get trapped in this yes. anger pattern. And I, I know from yes. experience that was not helpful for me. The notion used to be you're, you're tiptoeing around something called catharsis. Catharsis right. is a notion that Freud had. He's the one who started it, rather limited, but then it got much broader in its application, which is, okay, you got to vent. you got to get it out of you. Right. But what we're yeah, finding... Not the helpful. Not helpful at all. No, the research is saying you right. rehearse it. What you do yeah. is you actually use it as an option, which is, okay, I'm going to express my anger. There, I'm better. No, you're just more likely to express your anger next time around. So, right. yes, you, your instincts... Are good, Maria. You've uh, you've touched upon it. Thank you, dear. Thank you for the call. Uh, those of you who didn't get on, please give me a call. Um, good Lord permitting, I'll see you tomorrow. I want to thank Andrew Krucek, producer man, Eric Dumont. You know, there's three guys doing this program. I don't. We need you need to get uh, Melissa in here to do some call screaming so we can add a little sensitivity to the program. Blessed Ash Wednesday to you. It is beginning. I'm going to be cranky giving up kale and asparagus as much as I love it. Walk with God through Lent even stronger. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook and Instagram. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.